Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the lobotomized films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about a an obscure 1975 Spanish film called School of Death. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1975 School of Death nowhere online that there is a blu-ray but you're not finding this movie online yeah this um this was released briefly by mogul video actually by a mogul subsidiary called all american video the vhs doesn't go for crazy prices or anything but it's rare um as all mogul tapes are and um and so that was it. That was its only release until the Blu-ray, which I think was just uh, a year ago. So this is a this is a, very few people have seen this, at least in America, which is surprising to me because it's not any worse. Or I think it's about the same as all of the other sort of gothic horror films from this period. Mm, if you're comparing this to like a Hammer production. I think even Hammer has higher production values. Yeah, it's definitely low budget, but it's like, don't you think it's at least competently made? Sure, but this is this movie is like, what if gothic horror was played out on like a all public access TV station in the eighties? Yeah, that's fair. Even the title card is exactly like those shows. I wish it was so much more salacious than it is because the story here is really sleazy, but the film is rather tame. This is what happens when you don't have an exploitation movie director. It gets tame like this. The, this, the tone of this film is like a stage production that like Patrick Stewart would star in. Yeah, but the acting isn't that competent. No, not at all. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. And the dubbing especially is atrocious. Yeah, in fairness in 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 fairness to the actors, I can't really say I can't really evaluate their performances because you can't tell through the dubbing. But they, none of them strike me as bad. It's just the dubbing's bad. Right. Well, this is kind of like one of those periods in human history where like everybody wanted to be like reserved with their feelings, right? So yeah. there's not really a lot of emotion in this film, except for, you know, when someone's about to die or get operated on. Yeah, the movie is supposed to take place in 1899 in London. So, yeah, I guess it was a rather stoic period. Everything about this film makes it seem older than it be. Like, I know I just said that this film's from 1975, but it feels like it's from the late 60s. Well, to give people a glimpse of the plot, um, let me read you the back of the box and you can tell me how accurate this is. Mogul is known for not being accurate. School of Death, a spine-tingling pale of horror... Leonor and her boyfriend discover a series of horrifying events involving many victims at an orphanage. Then, Leonor, too, was chosen as the next victim of terror. Okay. Was there a boyfriend? You know, 
I kind of thought the doctor was going to adopt the main character for like his orphan bride, but that didn't end up happening. Yeah, I guess there is a romance there, but I'm I would be reluctant to call him her boyfriend. Yeah, for sure. He's more of a daddy figure throughout most of the movie. Yeah, but this is like the 1800s, like age appropriate, age inappropriate relationships were the norm. Like people were marrying kids and shit. Like that's that's what I thought this movie was going to go for at the end for like another shocker to the audience. I think the actress was a kid too. I think she was like 15 or 16. Wonderful. She um a couple years after this movie came out, she committed suicide. Not is to, it, you know, start the episode on a downer, but I was going to say where's the is there going to be an upside to this episode? I I it, despite my criticisms, I like this movie. Okay, that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. But Otherwise, we'll see. What did you think of the music? I don't even remember it. It's very, it's a very classic movie score, if I remember it. It's forgettable. I mean, it's probably fine for setting the tone, but you have to realize the tone for the majority of this film is like knockout drug somber. I, I couldn't even find um a music credit. It, it, the the credits on the video are like non-existent and the on IMDb there's no music credit given. So apparently someone forgot the artist. Do you think maybe they just like ripped it from other films? No. Um it sounds I mean maybe it was taken from library records but even then, you would ordinarily credit it. But anyway, this was directed by a guy named Pedro Pedro Ramirez, and he directed some westerns, um, some a slew of like just generic looking movies that I have no interest in. Um, he directed one giallo called "The Fish with the Eyes of Gold," but I have not seen it, so I can't speak to how good it is. Do you think that there's anything to note about the direction? What is, what is this film like? An hour and twenty something minutes, something I, like that. I did not think about the direction at all at the at any point during watching this film. Is that a good thing? Really, I I watched this as if it were a public access show, like I would see or something I would see on BBC, like really late at night, like you know, back before I guess. DVR existed. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Like, I, if I had seen this movie as a kid late at night on TV, the way I saw some similar movies, I think this would have been really effective. I think it would have like seared itself into my brain. And the concept is disturbing enough that it would have freaked me out. But like as a jaded adult, it doesn't bother me or anything, but I think that's the the most generous context in which to view the movie is like a, as a late night public access sort of thing. And that is the perfect phrasing, <laughs> the most generous way to watch this film. Yeah. Um, okay. So like I watched this on a, on a PC, I watched it 
as an MP4, and I still felt like I was watching something on a CRT. That's how old this film be like appears to be on in, in actuality. And in fairness, we watched the mogul VHS tape, so I'm sure the Blu-ray looks nicer. Do you think they have a better dub, though? No, but apparently there is a Spanish-language version on the Blu-ray. Anyway, so to to briefly describe the the plot beyond the back of the box... Do you want to just play the trailer? Yeah, let's play the trailer, and then we'll, and then we'll get into the story. Notice how throughout that trailer, they avoided any of the dialogue. Well, I was going to say, notice we, we got to hear some a lot of the music. So that satisfies any curiosity that you might have had. All right. So this movie starts with a really awesome scene that you hear in the trailer where this girl is strapped down to a operating table and we see a doctor, although we don't see his face, as he prepares to do some kind of surgery. He's sterilizing some surgical tools over a flame, and then he makes a small incision like near her temple, and she passes out, and then credits. Did this scene lead you to believe that the movie was going to be different than it ultimately was? Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, so I wouldn't call this scene awesome. <laughs> it, it's it it is a way to start off a horror film, I suppose, but it is not indicative of the rest of the film's tone, like at all. I think it's awesome for a horror film of this period and like genre, you know, these sort of Euro horror films, I guess you would call them. I really like the opening scene, but I'm also I'm also particularly susceptible to any kind of medical horror. Like, it just freaks me out for some reason. So to see somebody in an operating room situation like that 
it, you already kind of have my creep factor turned on. But anyway, we get the credits and find out it's London in 1899. And we're at a, it's an orphanage and boarding school, essentially, right? Yeah, it's like a low-key capitalist slave factory. <laughs> it's one of those places where we're like, yeah, we're going to help the children. And then they just have them do free labor all day. Yeah, I mean, in the first scene, we see the the girls all working hard, like ironing clothes and things. And the teacher smacks this one girl's hand just because she was tapping her feet to the music. It's that kind of environment. No fun allowed. No. There's, no. there's like a weird guy outside the orphanage just playing music from a box. Yeah. It's like a, it's like some kind of instrument that, that probably doesn't exist anymore, except in like a museum uh, where you like you have like the crank and the keys on it and whatever. Yeah, I don't remember what these instruments are called. They're they're like big boxes, and you turn a a wheel on the side, and the music comes out. But well, it was a little bit more involved than that. Like part of it was crank, and then the other part he was like manipulating to play music. We really should have done our research on this instrument. Really? This this is the the part we should have done research on? No. It was an oversight of mine. Musicians, I apologize. Uh, this is like the only joy these orphans have. And then like the matron just slams the window. Yeah, the, the president shows up and he says that Silence, discipline, and obedience are the key tenets of the institution. Even if you hadn't seen like the horrible scene that started this film, you know, just looking at this guy, he he's no good. Yeah, one girl has to go to the punishment room. And I I just like that there is a punishment room. Like that for the same reason I love evil moms, I love evil headmistresses of orphanages. Yeah, a natural subcategory. So <laughs> these girls are taken to a soundproof room and just whipped senseless. Yeah, they have to have inspections with Dr. Brown where he'll come and, and see them. Uh, I'm not sure what he's checking for, just their overall state of health, I guess. But the one teacher says that they can't show this girl at inspection the next day because she can't be seen in this condition. They don't make it seem like they went that hard on her, but I guess they did. All right, let's just get this out of the way now. This film actually has a lot of horrific things that happen, but it's all done so like non-direct. It's so casual. Like all of the horrible intents behind the the malevolent figures of this film is just so casually presented that you almost really have to be looking at the finer details to understand what's really going on. Yeah. It, it there's a lot that's insinuated yeah. in this film. Yeah. And when we talk about the plot, it's going to sound sleazy as hell, but yeah, it, it, it feels like you're watching a PG movie. 
it's so strange because it, it has the plot of an exploitation film from front to back. All the mechanics are there. But then the most you get out of a, out of a scene for violence and exploitation is some people get stabbed. There's some trickles of blood. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah, let's just count down like the things that you have in this movie. Okay, so you have orphan schoolgirls. Yeah, orphan schoolgirls. A scarred face monster man. A you have lobotomies. Sex slavery. What else? What am I missing here? Murder. Murder. Workforce exploitation. Uh huh. Yeah, so when uh, you gaslighting <laughs> disguise, right? Characters in disguise. Characters in disguise. You got the fucking Mission Impossible mask going on. <laughs> hey, this movie beat that movie by like 20 years. <laughs> well, we also had that one film uh with like the fucking car that beheaded people. Oh yeah. Um that what movie was that horror hospital yes yeah yes. horror hospital so, i mean that that had the same thing <laughs> yeah although god you know this film looks so old i don't know which one came first this one or horror hospital yeah horror hospital was 1973 so it was earlier <laughs> <laughs> By comparison, Horror Hospital looks like it came out a decade later. <laughs> but in some ways, I think this movie is trying to look old. Like it's trying to look, I think, gothic and classic and like a romantic era film. It's set in a it's set in, you know, old buildings. And I don't know. I just think that's what they're going for. Yeah, romantic in air quotations, but instead of quotations, you're just like holding your arms up to the sky. <laughs> I wouldn't describe any part of this film as romantic. Well, you do have some unrequited love. Maybe? Anyway, the first the first hint we get of what's going on is we have this one girl, Sylvia, who they tell her that she's being sent to live with a family and work for them. But she doesn't really know what she's going to be doing. Like what kind of orphanage is this, right? Like did orphanage have a different meaning in the 1800s where like, Hey, you could just get a child to work at your house every now and then like on a, what a, like a buy rent basis. Yeah. You're kind of like the, the sense I got was they were, they were paying for their schooling and their room and board with lifetime indentured servitude. What a deal. Yeah. It was basically like, you're the most unwanted dregs of society. You might as well be useful by working as slaves. Like, that's essentially the way it seems like they're treating these girls. Yeah, this is not one of those orphanage films where, you know, the prospective parents come in and they look at the wretch on the floor and they're like, we're going to take you home. And she gets really happy and everyone like cries. That does not happen. No, this is all about exploitation. So when she gets there, 
first of all, it, it seems weird because it's not like a big manor house like I expected it to be. It's just a random door in an alley. Do you think that there are lots of wealthy families that live in doors like this? Or do you think that this is supposed to be an indication that something is wrong? No, I mean, this was probably a very nice place to live in this kind of time frame, especially in the city with real estate prices probably being insane. Like just it, sure, it's probably like uh, tight, like a tight fit, but you got like a first, second floor. I, I, I'd imagine this is this is definitely a high class property for the time. Well, it we come to find out it's not really what it's being presented as. Um, she's shown to her bedroom and told that if she hears noises, don't worry. But when she wakes up, there's somebody there. And the next thing she knows, she's strapped down to a table and this guy with a disfigured face. How do you want to describe this guy? He looks melty. His name is Dr. Kruger. But he's preparing to do something to her. Um, he says that unfortunately she has to be conscious when he operates. The brain has to be awake. And then he makes an incision near her eye, just like with the first girl we saw. She screams, fade to black. Yeah, so did you think this guy looked cool? Did he look really shitty? He probably looked uh, fine, because of the video quality. Yeah. I I can't imagine this guy looking as good on Blu-ray. It it kind of looks like they just covered his face with random little pieces of latex. Like it's very bubbly. Maybe, but it's effective when you're watching this film through like a really grainy lens. Like, you can clearly tell that his face is fucked up compared to everyone else's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no question. It doesn't I, look like he's wearing a mask. It doesn't look no. like he's covered in makeup. I mean, I'm not saying it looks real or anything, but for what they're trying to portray, like a monstrous doctor, deformed doctor, this is a really effective uh, get-up job. Like, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. So the next scene, we actually were introduced to a lot. Um, we have a gratuitous fencing match between uh, Mr. Allen, who's like the new the local newspaper guy, and Dr. Brown, who is the one who inspects the girls at the orphanage. There's a weird conversation where one of the the onlookers, Lord Ferguson, asks Mr. Allen about he says i believe you know about a place where one can enter the gateway of heaven and apparently um mr allen does because he gives him an address or a phone number right so this is going to be key to the whole orphanage racket that's going on i don't think you really need to present this plot as some sort of like big reveal i think we can just like spell everything out this this entire film is like Epstein Island, eighteen ninety nine. That's the alternate title for this film. This whole school <laughs> of death stuff, like this, is a terrible title for the film. You think so? Yeah, they they uh, could have called this film like I don't know, like 
orphanage harem or something, and that probably would have been more appropriate. I don't know. I think the title's fine. There is a school and there is death, so I think the title works. <laughs> two out of two. Is it really a school, though? I mean, they're learning how to, like, iron and sew. Yeah, I feel like school is more than just the home economics class, right? Maybe there's classes that we just don't see. Speaking of the the orphanage, did you notice... All right, this is really weird. So there, we have two students who we follow, Leonore and Sylvia, and then we have two main teachers. I don't remember their names. But the teachers look like grown-up versions of the two students. Did you notice that? Not exactly. I mean, one's a teacher and the other seems more like a servant. Yeah, but she is um she is out she is dishing out discipline. She's whipping the girls. She is. When the servant teacher, servant instructor, servant orphanage wrangler when when she is whipping leonore you can tell there's like something else coming on here like she's really into it yeah yeah oh, we left that out of our list of uh of things but sadomasochism yep sadomasochism is in there but you know i don't even think it's about the whipping i think she just really digs leonore yeah there's a point where like Leonore's upset because her best friend Silvio was sent away to this house to work and she really wants the address so she can go contact her and uh, the um the the one who's whipping her says that she'll give her the address but she has to come up to her room because she has something to show her so yeah i definitely think she has designs on young leonore who looks even younger than Sylvia. How old do you think this girl is? Like we... in the plot? Yeah, in the plot. In the Cause... plot, I just assumed all these girls were supposed to be like 14 or something. Yeah, because in real life... Very inappropriate, because it's an orphanage. Right. Like I said, I in real life, she was like 16, but I think she's supposed to be younger in the film. Um, and luckily, uh, or... I don't know, maybe maybe it, maybe it would have been better off, but um, the other teacher, Miss Wilkins, interrupts this whole affair. And I, I love this line. She says to the other teacher, you're loathsome. You're a traitor. You have betrayed us in order to sate your lecherous urges. And then she stabs her. You know, this is like the pot calling the kettle black, right? I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, Miss Wilkins is um, strikes me as kind of a hypocritical character. Like, I think that's part of her persona in the film is she wants to act like she's above all of this. Like, yeah, she's participating, but she at least is morally superior. I don't know. That's the air I got. All right. So the idea here is that this orphanage is a racket on two fronts. On one, it's getting a bunch of free labor for the fat cats that run it. And the other is that they're occasionally taking girls out of it, 
lobotomizing them into sex slaves and then distributing them among the, the fucking oligarch elites who are wanting to elicit their services. Right. 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 Um, but what's really weird is that it makes the movie makes it seem like this has been going on for an extended period of time. But throughout this whole film, the only girl that we see subjected to the system is Leonore's friend. Sylvia. Sylvia. Yeah. So it makes the whole operation seem a lot smaller than it's made out to be. I don't know. We see that girl in the beginning who we don't know. And then we never see her again. Well, presumably she's dead. Why would she be dead? Right. Not not real, not really dead, but fake dead. Right. right? Because like, I, I just figured maybe at some point in this movie, we would see a basement full of like not dead girls or something. Well, what a sentence. And, um, and, and you know, there'd be like a bigger criminal racket going on. It, maybe that's like outside the scope of the production. I think they're given to these families as or the, to these men as like a wife. I didn't get that impression that it was permanent. It seemed more of like a escort service. I don't know. Maybe it's both. Perhaps. But like this is the shit the movie doesn't get into. Like it vaguely implies that this shit is going on in like a 40 second scene and then they never bring it up again. I don't know why I have this illness of the brain, but I like this kind of shit, right? Like I like this sort of sleazy plot that is offensive at every level. And I wish that the movie was more lurid in its details. I, I wish that it was more exploitive, but I still like it like this. The plot is enough to get me hooked. I don't think I share the sentiment. I feel like it should have just gone one way or the other. This movie has an identity crisis. Yeah. It's like some kind of like God honest studio picked the wrong script for the show. That's what, that's what it feels like. Like these people just wanted to make something that was like a PG stage show and they used the wrong script. <laughs> I don't know. This guy had made at least one other horror film. Was this his first one? Hmm. I don't think so. I think this was his second. Let's see. Yeah, this was his second. He made The Fish with the Eyes of Gold the previous year. Are there like screen caps? Can you see like what kind of quality we're working with? The Fish with the Eyes of Gold? Yeah. No, there are no photos. IMDb just says a ruthless killer is spreading terror in a beach town. That is so big. I bet it. it's only got three user reviews and two critic reviews, so I bet it's never been released in the States. I bet you have to find a bootleg or something. Anyway, let's get back to School of Death. Leonore has become too troublesome at this point, so Wilkins tells her that she's going to go work for a family the next day. But at this point, she has the address to Sylvia's house or where Sylvia was sent to stay. So when the carriage when the carriage she's in happens to break down, she goes looking for Blind Crow House, which is where Sylvia was sent. 
and she happens to see Sylvia coming outside, even though she's supposed to be dead at this point. And she doesn't seem to remember or recognize Leonore. She gets into a carriage and it rides off. So did you know what was going on at this point? Did you think it was really transparent? Yeah. 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 I think it, do you think it would have been better if they tried to make it more mysterious? Like you didn't know what was going on yet. The only way they could have done that is by not showing the operating scenes. Yeah. And if you're not showing the operating scenes, like what's your hook in the beginning of the film? True. Yeah. This movie is already very slow. It doesn't strike me that way. It, it didn't seem slow to me. Like, I realize this is like a Spanish film, but it really just does feel like a very old British TV production. That's incredibly dialogue driven, like a stage play. Well, they run into Dr. She runs into Dr. Brown and as well as the police and the police don't really believe her. But they don't totally dismiss her either. Like, they actually look into her story. This is the most unrealistic part of the film. Not the whole, you know, slavery through brain surgery sort of thing. It's that the police are somehow not in on this racket. No, the police are totally clueless at this point. You think the police would be in on it? Or you just yeah, think it would I, be I in? Think, I, I think at the very least, the police chief would be in on it. And he would alter uh resources around the issue as necessary to obfuscate any criminal activity. Yeah. So I don't I, I was personally very surprised when the police chief ended up being somewhat competent in solving the problem and also not, you know, conducive to the problem itself. Because I really thought that he was gonna be chilling it up with, you know, that big fucking orphanage guy from the beginning at some point, and they're going to laugh like, ha, ah, <laughs> you thought, thought we were going to help. No, I agree with you. I, I think I'm especially jaded from seeing a lot of these European horror films where, yeah, usually the police chief and the mayor or the governor, or whoever are all in on the, the corruption but I was pleasantly surprised in this one. Like I, I liked that the that the police were actually competent. It's just not the brand we're used to here at Video Store Nightmares. Yeah, but this movie has enough sleaze in its plot. It needed more lurid details on screen, but it didn't need another uh another branch of, of sleaze. There's too much hope in this film. There's a happy ending. Ah, yeah. What's wrong with hope? <laughs> Just saying, it's not usual for us. Oh, um, yeah, I gotcha. But there's another. So she sees Sylvia then, and then there's a, a time where Leonore sees Sylvia going by in a carriage, and she gets Doctor Brown, who is giving her a ride home, to follow it, and it leads them to a house, and they go and they look in the window, and they see Sylvia. And then this is the first time they have a weird, and by they I mean Leonore and Dr. Brown, have a weird semi-romantic hug and kiss. How early in the movie did you get the sense that there was like a romance developing between them? Uh, honestly, it seemed like this doctor had a thing for her the whole time. 
It's, that's why he's entertaining all this shit to begin with. He does ask about in the very first scene where he's um, giving the inspection. It, she's the girl who's not there because she got whipped. And he asks about her. He's like, where's Leonore? So I guess he wanted to see her even then. All right. I have a logistical question. Can Can I just ruin the twist right now? I don't give a shit. So it turns out we find out at the end that Dr. Kruger is Dr. Brown. That Dr. Brown has been wearing a mask to disguise himself. A very convincing one, I might add. Does that make any logistical sense given the rest of the plot? No, it made no sense. Like, I started to suspect it near the end of the film. But I was like, why? Why would it be that way? <laughs> I still yeah, don't I, know why. I can't decide if I like it or not. The the twist, like on the don't like it column, we have that it's totally unbelievable and ridiculous. And there's no indication that it's the truth in any of the movie that I noticed. And in fact, it doesn't make logistical sense. But on the positive side, it is absurd, and I didn't see it coming. And I usually like absurdity in my films. I was very entertained by it. I think on at the end of the day, I'm kind of glad that it happened. Well, it is a very giallo twist, right? Like, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just trying to be outrageous. So the, when you told me that this guy's first film was a giallo, I, I'm not really, really surprised. I'd imagine it also has a very similar, like, dumb reveal at the end. <laughs> All right, so Dr. Brown has his own office, but he also works in the Blind Crow House, and he somehow manages to split his time between both of them. But, like, this secret identity is known only to him and to the and to Leonore, who he reveals it to at the end of the film. The people he's working for at the orphanage this whole crime racket aren't even aware that they're the same person in fact there's another really strange twist to the plot where some fucking uh businessman is someone else who he actually is like he's under a, a fucking pseudonym he's like my real name is like bob hodges and it's yes. like i what is this i don't even care Throughout the movie, throughout the movie, Dr. Kruger and Miss Wilkins, um, is that her name, Wilkins? I think so. Um, Dr. Kruger and Miss Wilkins talk about Bob. Like, it's like Bob from Twin Peaks, right? Like, there's something horrifying about him. And um, he's like the man behind everything. That's the insinuation that I got. Um but when we actually meet Bob, it turns out that he's Mr. Allen, the newspaper reporter who we saw in the fencing match. And does it really make sense as the newspaper reporter? First off, I don't know how a fucking criminal mastermind becomes a newspaper reporter, but okay. Who um, apparently everyone's heard of. Like, he, people would recognize him. He wrote an article, a public article in the newspaper, like detailing his whole criminal outfit. He outed himself. It's but, um, like when he does get discovered, 
he has no intentions on ditching this orphanage harem scheme, right? Like he has intentions to to keep it running, to make it persistent. So why would he even write an accurate article exposing his racket? Is it supposed to be like some low-key advertisement? Maybe. I don't think I'm as we're doing the thing where we give it way more thought than the scriptwriter did. There is a lot about this movie that if you really think about it, it makes zero sense. Zero sense. I don't know how big of a flaw that is because I've never thought about these contradictions really. I've seen the movie several times until now. Like now that we're sitting and talking about it in detail. But if you're just watching the movie, I don't think you notice this. Are you not noticing because you've been lulled into like a fugue state? I suppose. Because this movie is just, it's very slow and very bland. Yeah, no, see, I didn't, I was not bored by it at all. I wished it was more, I wished it was crazier, but I wasn't bored by it. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's not a boring film if you have a very powerful attention span. This is like old people entertainment. You have to be able to sit still and watch it and be able to appreciate the subtlety. I don't know if subtlety is the right word to describe this film. Well, muted tone. Okay. Yeah, you have to be able to appreciate that. Anyway, the the police believe Leonore's story enough to dig up Sylvia's coffin and see if she's inside. And in a totally baffling twist, she is. <laughs> and somehow <laughs> and somehow she manages to fool everybody that she's actually dead. Yeah, as a lobotomized slave, right? She's not like she's not a mastermind who's in on the act, but she has to pretend to be dead. And managed to stay underground in a coffin for who knows how much time. And and the the people behind the racket, they had to dig up the coffin, put her inside of it, rebury the coffin, then dig the coffin up, take her out of it, and then rebury the empty coffin. You know what would really help if we mentioned that they framed her death, you know, after the the lobotomy. Ah, yeah. We did not mention that. That's part of the racket. They take the girl, they send him to the house, they do the lobotomy, turn him into a slave, and then they draw up a fake death certificate. They fake the death so that nobody will ever look for the girl again. So that's why they had to hastily dig up this coffin and put her in it and then rebury it <laughs> because the police would have otherwise found an empty coffin and been like, oh, hmm. Well, and I, I don't know... I don't know how they could possibly do all that digging and reburying without being noticed. But a after the scene, like there's a scene where they dig up the coffin to see if she's there and Dr. Brown and Leonore are there for some reason. And they go off to the park together and have like a weird date after this. At I least I that. thought it was weird. Was, wasn't it weird when, like, you saw your dead friend in the coffin? <laughs> right. Anyway, Let's, come uh, closer, girl. <laughs> yeah, he, he says he prescribes distraction. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. Well, I definitely don't think uh, doctor patient professional relationships were um, really mandated back then. True. And as you said, the age of consent was significantly lower. But let's talk about the scene where we kind of see lobotomized Sylvia in action for the first time. She is taken to Lord Ferguson, that who is a um, very rotund man, right? Um, who is just screams corruption to me. Like as soon as I met him, I was like, well, this guy's corrupt. So maybe it was a really good performance. Or maybe I just have a maybe I just have an implicit bias against people who look like him. Well, I suppose everyone that well, most of the men that were corrupt back then would have shopped at like casual male XL, right? Because they were the only ones that had the calorie intake to have that kind of physique. Everyone else was starving to death in the streets, being worked like slaves, that sort of thing. I did read earlier on someone's I think it was on someone's Instagram. I'd never heard of this before that between like the late 20th, the late 19th century and early 20th century, there were fat men clubs where fat men would gather together and they, it was kind of like a networking thing. Um, it, it kind of like, uh, you know, the Elks Lodge or whatever, um, the, the Shriners, uh, instead, you had Fatman clubs, and for whatever reason, they went out of fashion and um, kind of all disappeared, but they used to be a big thing. Yeah, I've read about that. I mean, it's because, you know, they recognize each other that way. The only way you had that kind of body was from an ex totally exuberant, uh, excessive lifestyle. You had to come from money in order to keep a body like that. Right. Before highly processed fast foods were flooded into the, into the market. Now I don't know that the movie was being this thoughtful. I don't know about I don't know about that because most of the upper class assholes are overweight. True. The guy from the orphanage is incredibly obese. Uh, uh, I was gonna say like no offense, but he's probably dead because <laughs> this movie's so old. And you know this 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 guy that we're with right now is the same same size. If you look at that fencing competition from the beginning of the film, the only two guys who are in shape are the two guys that are fencing, which is the doctor, which, in retrospect, is a mutilated man wearing a mask, <laughs> wearing a fencer's outfit. Yep, dude, that's got to be bad for your skin. All that fucking sweat. And condensation staying under that mask. Yeah. What a fucking trooper. <laughs> Have you ever fenced? No, but I can tell you that a fencing match does not last like three minutes like it does in the film. <laughs> You're over in like eight seconds. Yeah, well, it all depends on the, the skill of the players. But um, no, I took a fencing class in college. So it was like a whole semester of fencing. I guess was, I've only seen like high level fencing from like the Olympics. It's always yeah. over in like four or five thrusts in the most part. Yeah. No, it's 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 a pretty simple like there's not a lot of movement or anything. So there's only so much you can do. It's not like sword fighting. You can only go back and forth. Right. right? And 
and in only only a certain number of steps at a time. I I don't remember the rules. It's been too long since college, but um, there are limitations. Uh, so in this scene, Lord Ferguson puts on music, and it happens to be the music that was playing when they got in trouble at the orphanage in the beginning of the film. And so it it's enough to revive her memories, I guess. And so I, I don't even think it's the same music. I think just the it, music reminds her of like the only joy she ever had at the orphanage. And she recalled the music. Maybe. I thought it was the same, but I could be wrong. Do you want me to play it? Sure. Now here we are, with no orchestra, but music to dance to. Come dance. See, it's not even like the same, but the fact that she's just hearing music reminds her of like the only other time she heard music because that's how, like that's how destitute, that's how pitiful her life was in the orphanage. So do also, you, think, you, got a, you got a good, a good sample of the dubbing there. Do you think that this is the first time one of the lobotomized slaves has like woken up? I would assume so, but we're never given anything as a point of reference. This is it. That's what I'm saying. Like they make this out to be like a whole racket that's been going on for a long period of time. Yet this is the only girl the sylvia is the only girl we see in this situation i don't know there's a there's a scene where we see dr kruger about to operate and he says something like you know don't worry you're aiding in the advancement of science and i got the impression that this was still experimental for him like it wasn't like he was doing the uh, he had just it, it's like he's still perfecting the procedure, right? And so I think that he could have just messed up this time. He lets the audience know that he messed up in like a monologue. But he's done it before, and we don't know the results of those previous times, except for the the gates of paradise or what the fuck ever has apparently <laughs> been an established thing. So yeah. I would assume that not only has he done this before, but they were at least getting some of the results that they wanted. Well, the guy he asks about the gates of paradise is Mr. Allen, who is also Bob. Just so we're clear. Right. Because well, like you wouldn't know to ask for something like that if it didn't have a reputation and they wouldn't have right. a reputation if they hadn't been doing this for a while. Right. Presumably, yeah. this might be one of those things in the film that just don't make any sense when you think about it, like mo mo most of the script. Yeah, I think I think most of the script is that way. I agree with you. So, yeah, she hears the music. She remembers her time in the orphanage. She remembers the friends that she lost. She remembers the surgery that happened. And maybe she doesn't quite process them all in a way that makes sense to her, but she gets very frightened and threatened and uh this guy is not having it because this is not what he paid for right he is tries to he tries to force it he resents that what he paid for is not being compliant he's very arrogant and misogynistic 
No, he's he's also very sensitive because I feel like this is a guy who's been rejected a lot of times and he's specifically paying for an experience where he's not rejected and is instead met with a screaming underage girl in his den. And he says he says something like, am I that ugly to you? So I guess that kind of speaks to that. So, you know, any sympathy you may have tried to have for this guy, I don't think it's possible. But if you if you tried, it's 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 out the window because then he tries to force himself on her. They back up against his, I guess, his desk where she grabs a letter opener and stabs him to death. Yep. Yo, I've seen more people get stabbed to death with letter openers in films than open letters. Uh, well, why would you show a letter opener opening a letter? Right, I guess. That's not exciting. I feel like there are movies where you see someone like open a letter and it's supposed to be like really important. But, but like you never see a letter opener in that case. We well, I was about I to say we don't did see a scene of letter opening in Dead Alive, but that was with like a butcher knife. Yeah, that was a butcher knife. What's kind of funny is this guy dies, right? And then he's never brought up again. No, there's it, it, I'm sure there was like an investigation and the police came and all that, but the movie doesn't bother with any of that because it doesn't involve Sylvia or Leonor. At least not at this point. You'd think they'd at least be like a throwaway line. There'd be like ripples throughout the community, you know, like local business mogul dies from getting stabbed to death by underage prostitute. No, you don't get any well, of that. It it might, I mean, it might not feel like it, but the movie's pretty rushed from this point on. Like, I think it's just a matter of one day. The rest of the plot takes place over. Maybe two. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, so um, the... Dr. Kruger and Miss Wilkins are after Leonore now, and she ends up stabbing Miss Wilkins, and presumably she dies. We never really hear anything about her again either. Wait, you're talking about the the orphanage matron? Yeah, doesn't doesn't um Sylvia stab her? No. Who does she stab? Oh, there's two. All right, there's there's two like matrons. There's one at the orphanage and there's one at the blind crow house. So she stabs the blind crow house matron. Ah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Sorry, all white people look the same. I don't want to tell you, man. Well, this it, it, the only reason this matters is that it ends up with Sylvia finally being killed. She is Bye. strangled and beaten in the head by. Dr. Kruger, right? But Dr. Kruger, yeah. This is this is before the identity is revealed. So this is kind of expected from the big bad. It's pretty pretty brutal because not only does he strangle her to death, he then seeks to mask any of the experimentation by beating her head in with the rock. Yeah, we don't we don't actually see the like head being smashed in though. No, we see bloody rock being held up, though. Yeah. As he's like, after he's repeatedly brought out on her face. Um, th- this is what I'm talking about, though. Like, they can't figure out what kind of film they wanted to make is what it really seems like. It's because it, this, this whole film has the perfect foundation for some, like, exploitative trash 
and yet they try to keep it somewhat classy most of the time but then you get something like this yeah it's um it has a bit of a, an identity crisis but i'll tell you there's there's one thing that i absolutely loved and that was after this scene there's a scene where leonore is running from dr kruger and he's telling her like please don't run i just want to tell you what's going on but she runs into the basement and there's this whole labyrinth of rooms down there and they're filled with things like picture frames it's i thought it was an awesome set i thought this was the best location of the movie they didn't really take advantage of it though i did like no. how was like please listen to me and then her first like common sense instinct which is just immediately sprint off uh would understandably you? i mean this yeah. guy is like you know he doesn't look nice no, this and he's also too, but yeah. Right. She has no frame of reference for any of his operational stuff. He has she hasn't seen any of that. She just saw a creepy ass dude and fucking bolted. Well, and he at some point he was like standing above her as she slept. Oh yeah, we had the the fainting goat scene. Yeah. Yeah. She wakes up, she sees him, she faints. It's just yep. so easy. They make it so easy in these films to kidnap women. <laughs> it's not like how it really be, you know? But anyway, they yeah, they don't use the rooms well. They sort of play cat and mouse in them a bit, but it, it could have been much better. It could have been an ongoing, like, horrific sequence. I mean, I realize this is a movie and it's for dramatic effect, but she really should have just kept running and not hiding because this guy was so slow working his way through the scene. Yeah, he's just like an old guy. He He's not... I mean, I know in his Dr. Brown mask, he looks younger, but as Dr. Kruger, I imagined that he was like in his 60s. I didn't really give it much thought, but yeah, in the scene following this, we have the police doing a medical investigation of, um, you know, the girl's body. Who brings up Dr. Kruger in that investigation? I think it's the coroner. The coroner. Okay. I was trying to one I was wondering if Dr. Kruger outed himself because that would go along with all the other nonsensical shit that's happened in this film. But yeah, like that's the first time the coroner mentions Dr. Kruger in a in a public setting. And he did mention that that was a some time ago. So this guy is probably older, but he is he can still fence though. Yeah. So his backstory is he was sentenced to a life of labor in Guyana but he succeeded in escaping three years before the events of the movie. And the police think that he's working with Bob, which he is. And Bob was in jail for prostitution racketeering. So do you think they like shared a cell together and then like came up with this scheme while they're yes. waiting for trial? Yeah. I think that's what the insinuation is supposed to be. All right. And this, this doesn't make sense, but at some point, the teacher gets Leonore tied up, lets Kruger in. Kruger injects her with something to put her to sleep. They have a funeral. But Dr. Brown refuses to sign the death certificate. He insists on an autopsy. If Dr. Brown is Dr. Kruger, why would he do that? The only thing I can think of is that he's having second thoughts because he really has caught feelings for Leonore. 
that's probably the only reason why they didn't do the standard lobotomizer and then have her pretend to be dead in the coffin get up yeah right the only way we can rationalize it is that he's trying to keep Leonore safe because he has no real intention to experiment on her which really is a giant character flaw because you would think that if you were really a believer of your scientific method that whatever he's trying to experiment with is something that that works then you wouldn't mind doing it on someone like yeah anybody that you'd be spending time with because it's actually you know what i have no fucking clue we don't even know what his experiment is right he's just like for science and then he stabs somebody in the temple with a with a scalpel yeah, it's some sort of stand-in for lobotomy, but I don't know why stabbing someone in the temple would do what they profess that it does. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of variation here as to what could happen. I'm not exactly sure what the experiment is supposed to be. Like, he, he is consciously aware of what he's doing to these people. But what? how is this furthering science? I don't know. I I have no idea. Like fantastic. We can turn the everyday person into a sex slave with just this one trick doctors don't want you to know. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do here. I don't either. I mean, he is like fucking insane, right? So maybe I'm trying to apply logic to someone who's just batshit crazy. He's amazingly uh, well composed for a crazy person, though. It's not even like a Mr. Uh, High Dr. Jekyll thing, though, right? No, both of his both of his personas are relatively like mild mannered and calm. And his fucking dub is the same. The dub, the act, the actor who dubs both characters. I mean, even though it's the same person, is the same guy. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's how I kind of put it together. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, it's the same guy. It's dubbing both of them. Do we even need to talk about the the subplot where um, Brown is pretending to be Kruger in order to trap Mr. Granfield because they think Granfield is really Bob? No. Like... Th- that that's how convoluted this all gets and i think i was only able to follow it because i've seen the movie before yeah that stuff this was my first time watching this film and all that stuff was like a blur like when they were talking about like is bob really who he says he is or whatever i'm like i don't care i have that has no influence on how i'm following this plot I, and then they reveal the, the the Bob thing, and then they reveal the doctor thing immediately afterwards. And it's like, oh, that's what I was looking for. That's thank you. There could have been like wonderful irony here because we know that ultimately we know that Kruger is actually Brown, but in this scene, Brown is pretending to be Kruger in order to trap Bob who he's actually working with and knows is not Granfield. So the there is like an ingenious side to all of this. This is like heist movie stuff, but it's not filmed that way. It's just filmed matter-of-factly. It may have been more effective if Granfield as a character had a more integral part to the plot. No, he has no role. 
he has almost no role. We see him fencing, and then we see him in the coroner's office, and then that's it. And then the end of the film. That's not enough time to like build up a character who you give a shit about if you're gonna like try to do some big switcheroo on his identity. Yeah. But when we finally do see that God, the end of this film is just as fucking convoluted though. Like the scene before all of this, before the doctors reveal. Uh-huh. The uh the oligarchs who are like crowdfunding this bullshit to <laughs> get caught in the graveyard trying to bury the doctor alive because of his refusal to sign uh, Leonor's death certificate. Uh-huh. And then the police catch them in the middle of it and, uh, you know, arrest the fat cats. Like that is just, it's so extra. Did that really need to be in the film? I mean, but- don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, f- I'm fine with justice being administered to, to the people who are like bankrolling this criminal endeavor but like from a narrative standpoint i liked that i liked it i thought it made the movie more interesting and i just wished the movie had been i guess directed differently like i just wished that they took advantage of how interesting i think the plot is and and i'm not a filmmaker i don't know how you would do it better but there has to be a way because the underlying story, including these diversions, like the one I just brought up in this one, I think are really interesting. They're just not filmed in a way that's interesting. I agree. Anyway, is this a good time for final thoughts or is there anything else we need to cover? Well, end of the film is somehow, somehow is reduced to a sword fight in dr kruger's laboratory between dr kruger and bob why does he have fucking swords in his laboratory uh, he's into swords he's he fences it was all foreshadowing i guess yeah the fencing was foreshadowing they get into a real sword fight where uh his mask is cut there's the big reveal that he's actually dr kruger and um he stabs bob to death before turning to leonore and coming clean maybe i'm gonna be honest this dub is so bad i could not tell what this doctor was saying for like a full minute when he was talking to leonore he was obviously yeah. confessing and talking about his feelings and how he wouldn't have hurt her or whatever but i could not understand him for like a solid minute no there was uh there were some lines lost on me too it's because the the dub guy is trying to sound like he's stabbed and speaking through like a ruined face and it just comes off as gibberish. Maybe that's how you would actually sound like if you were stabbed, but this is a movie. You gotta, if you're going to have a death monologue, you need to, you need to have it be clear. It's really ridiculous. The only part of it that matters is that he loves Leonore. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where like the doomed tragic romance comes in, even though all the romance we've really gotten was that scene in the park. Yeah, I don't think Leonore is having any of it once the mask was off, so it was probably better to end it this way. No, I don't think so either. No, no, my 14-year-old queen. Yeah. And he dies. He goes, ugh. 
and then uh leonore i'm assuming just kind of escapes out into the street and never dates again never dates again you think they just put her right back in the orphanage <laughs> well the police chief survived right yeah so he knows everything that's going on he'll he'll presumably arrest the people at the orphanage the surviving ones yeah yeah so well, so then what she gets put into another orphanage that's running the same like fucking labor crime bullshit yep she's doomed to be enslaved by the system and then you know what if it's like you know college where like well i'm sorry your orphanage credits didn't transfer over you're gonna have to retake these educational classes again which means you're gonna have to do more work for us mm -hmm. yeah the, the only system is built to trap you yeah and the only way out is insecthood. <laughs> All right, let's do final thoughts and rating out of four. Uh, I appreciate that this film exists, but it's not quite my cup of tea. Um, there's a huge disconnect between the tone of this film and the script. Uh, it feels really weird to say this, but I feel like there needed to be more exploitation <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna play out a plot like this, I like most of the story beats though. Like it, there's a good backbone here for a really fucked up story, but the twists don't make sense. the The mood of this whole movie is really somber. Like I'm I'm talking about like a stage play about a political figure kind of boring and then every now and then you'll get like hints of something graphic about to happen but really you don't get to see anything sometimes it is better to tell and not show but this movie took it to heart too much i really think it had something to do with the budget or the way this film was presented because again it feels like it was made for tv or something but you wouldn't want to have this kind of plot in something that anybody could just turn on and watch just because it's so like grotesque when you really think about it this is sort of a hard one to rate for me i'm i'm gonna go like one and a half stars there's just there's too much missing here i don't feel like the movie drags as much as leland does i really like the story and i just wish that the film was as sleazy as the story suggests um i wish we got all that nastiness and if we did this would be like a cult classic treasured by hundreds of people like this would be a big deal if the film matched the content but it doesn't but that doesn't it i still enjoy it um i still really like the story i think the acting dubbing aside is fine um, and I think some of the diversions the plot takes are totally uh, bonkers, but um, but surprising and entertaining. Uh, and so I ultimately really enjoy this movie, um, even even if I recognize the flaws and I recognize the ways that it could have been like so much better. So um, I give it two and a half. Two and a half stars. All right, next week, 
Um, you want me to present you with some options or just pick one? Pick one. But, you know, it's supposed to be horrific medical experiments. I feel like more the horrific nature of this film was in the more of the organized crime factor and not so much the experiment itself. I don't know. See, I should have mentioned this in my review, but I lobotomies in particular really horrify me. Like, I can't think of anything worse. That is my maybe I read one flew or the cuckoo's nest when I was too young, but lobotomies are like my biggest fear. And so the actual implications of this movie are really disturbing to me. And if I had seen this when I was a kid, it would have haunted my dreams. So when you said horrifying, this was the first film that popped to mind. Anyway, let's um, since this movie was devoid of some of the exploitation we wanted, let's go with like a total exploitation title. 1994 Gore Horror. Leland, this will be a first time watch for you, right? This is a first time watch for probably the majority of the country. Well, we'll get a little of that exploitation that we were missing in this week's fixture. We haven't watched a quality shot on video in a while. Well, I don't think this is going to hit the heights of like creep, but I do think it's entertaining. I was thinking 16 Tongues was the last one we watched. Oh, I was just trying to think of like what what do you think the best shot that on was video good. Movie that was the last seen? good one we watched Um, because the last shot on video film we watched was Death Nurse 2 and or Death Nurse 1 it's the same it's the same shit and, and that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah Death Nurse is pretty bad so gore horror is somewhere between the two <laughs> But I think I think my favorite shot on video we've covered has to be Creep. I'm I'm still really partial to Shatter Dead. Creep would probably be second. Shatter Dead would be high up there. Oh, you know what else would be really high up there for me is Blonde Death. Yeah, and the Blonde Death was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, I really like Blonde Death. Oh well. There are so many good shot on video movies, and we'll watch another one next week. So check out Gore Horror and join us until then you can follow us on instagram at video.store.nightmares leland any last words thank you for your continued support beautiful we'll talk to you all next week have a good one everyone
Ha 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 